Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club, a podcast that is ostensibly about video game movies. Uh, we've 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 strayed far. Um, <laughs> this is episode 128. Uh, my name is Mark Champlin, and today, as always, I'm joined by Alex Wallace. Yeah, that little tagline feeling uh, more appropriate than ever today. Um, mm-hmm. God, you know, Mark, you're such a sweetheart, <laughs> and you went out of your way to. Yep. Send me the good shit. You sent me the contraband. You sent me the good, high-quality uh, downloads of Doctor Who right to my email inbox for me, yeah, to, the, for, for me to watch. I sent you .mkvs fresh from the Pirate Bay. And, and yet, <laughs> I still had to use a dog shit website to watch Doctor Who because I can't understand British people. That mm, David David Tennant is a Scottish man who talks very fast. I like started watching the first episode that we were supposed to watch, and within like the first five minutes, I was like, I cannot give a educated opinion about this episode <laughs> if I don't watch it with subtitles. So I had to go to watch Doctor Who Online Free dot com or whatever it's called, where literally anytime I clicked anything, it would open a pop up window like. Like anything at all, um, and that was, and I watched both of the episodes like that because I needed the subtitles, and all the ones that I tried to download online did not sync up with the video files that I had. Anyway, we watched Doctor Who because Mark wanted to. <laughs> that's, that's really all there is to it. Um, this is a very self-indulgent episode in, w- in which I'm going to talk about my favorite television show a lot. Oh man, uh, yeah. So. Tell us a little bit about uh, your prior experience with Doctor Who before this podcast episode we're recording. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'm going through a Doctor Who renaissance right now this year. Um, it's probably my like fourth Doctor Who renaissance <laughs> over the years. I should just say I'm going through my every two years Doctor yeah, Who Yeah, it's Doctor Who season for you right now. <laughs> it's Listen, Christmas season is Doctor Who. There's a, there's a Christmas special every single year since 2005. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 Doctor Who season, baby. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so Doctor Who was my biggest obsession in my late teens and early 20s. Uh, I would host watch parties for new episodes. I was trained like like a uh, like a dog uh, to know uh, just in my internal clock knew um, what time seven p.m. Greenwich Main Time was uh, because that uh, every Sunday because that meant that the new episode would be over and also up on the Pirate Bay, uh, which was eleven a.m. Pacific time, uh, and. All of like 2014, 2015, I would download the new episode. I have cosplayed both doctors uh, that <laughs> that are featured in the episodes we That's watched. That's when you know it's real shit. That's when you know it's real shit, dog. <laughs> I have also cosplayed his ship, the TARDIS, which is, <laughs> it, which if you don't know, is a a 1960s police box like a like a phone booth that's blue and says police on it oh my um, god how have i, I ever seen pictures of this oh we the, the my picture of me cosplaying the tardis went viral on uh, on tumblr in oh 20, 2012 uh it was you were really was, in it i was in it um, <laughs> you were really it, in it it's You're a going car- viral it was... on tumblr for doctor who posts there is no there is no more in it than that that's a good day for me. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it, the the costume uh, was because I know you're dying to know. It was yes. uh, it was a cardboard box that once held a washing machine uh, that me and my friend Pat uh, spray painted uh, to look like the TARDIS, uh, and I attached suspenders to it and just wore the box. I I hope I hope you know that my my response here is filled with nothing but love. I think it's cool to like <laughs> things and uh, express yes. how you like things. Uh, by doing fun stuff with your friends, I think that's tight. <laughs> I I agree. Um, yeah, I've 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 forced friends and family uh, to to watch this show. Um, I've tried multiple different entry points into the show to get them hooked. Uh, I've 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 settled is, on. Is uh, this one of those times right now? The, this podcast. It, well, you know, it's funny. You kind of chose both episodes because these were two episodes that you were kind of interested in because of the cultural phenomenon surrounding That's fair. them. That's fair. Which, but Blink definitely would have been one, yeah, <laughs> one of the two yeah. either way. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, this is definitely one of those times. <laughs> um, I, it, yeah, it's, um, it's my favorite, uh, 
It's my favorite like media property, maybe of all time. Uh, certainly, when whenever I'm in it, it feels like it is, mm-hmm. uh, and and. I, I get the inkling to get a tattoo, but then I always grow out of it. Yeah, it's like, I feel like it. you don't talk about Doctor Who as much as you talk about, like, Star Wars mm-hmm. or, you know, Halo or or any of those things. But, like, the, 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 the well of passion secretly runs very deep inside of you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's, it's, this is, it's one of those things that... You know, like, I played Halo as a kid, but my life was not about Halo. Mm-hmm. Like, my life was about Doctor Who back then, so, yeah. like... and what changed? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I... Th- the show got bad, um, <laughs> first of all. Well, the show got... The show didn't get bad. The show remained stagnantly okay, and I got sick of the head writer at the time's bullshit. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, get, we'll get to that head writer. <laughs> Um, right. And I, I eventually did go back and watch the episodes I skipped, and they're better than I remember, considering the current Doctor Who has a new head writer who is way worse than Stephen Moffat. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> this is that Pokemon effect we were talking yeah, about. Every mm, 10 mm. years, the, the episodes that came out 10 years ago are good now. Oh, um, yeah. The, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was talking to my mom, and I was like, have you seen season 10? She's like, I thought you hated season 10. And I was like, I hated season 10 in 2017, mom. <laughs> I like it now. It's better. It's ahead of its time, mom. <laughs> it was it, Season it was 10 was the Jesus time. of Doctor Who's legacy. The, 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 companion, the companion in season 10 is a black femme lesbian. It's rad. Oh, anyway. All right. Um... <laughs> So, uh, my experience with Doctor Who uh, before this episode of the podcast uh, was primarily uh, I had lived with at least two different people that were big Doctor Who fans, one of which was my sister and one of which was my roommate from college. Uh, And my entire experience with the show was I would, like, walk into the living room while they were watching it, and I would stand behind the couch, and I would watch it for a bit. I would go, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This seems stupid, and then I would, and then I would leave. Uh, <laughs> it was all, that was also my experience seeing it on Tumblr and thinking that it looked stupid. Yeah, um, it just didn't really seem like the kind of thing for me. I just kind of thought it seemed kind of corny. That was like my main impression of Doctor Who. If to be completely honest, I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that show seems fucking corny. Um, and. I'm gonna I, I, I'm be honest coming into coming into these episodes I don't mm-hmm. I don't I, I still think that <laughs> oh, you haven't even seen the nearly the most corny episodes I know that's the worst part <laughs> um, people people love it for its corniness but I, I have I have a much more I have a much more nuanced opinion now um and also I have some things that I like about Doctor Who. Yes. Um, so we're going to talk about some Doctor Who episodes. Uh, you might have noticed if you uh, read the title of this podcast uh, that we watched two episodes for this. We watched uh, the iconic episode Blink from 2007. That's the one with the angel statues. Uh, and we watched the episode Vincent and the Doctor from 2010. That's the one where you've only ever seen the last scene where Van Gogh... Van, sorry, Van Gogh looks at the paintings in the museum and everybody's talking about how great he is and he cries. You've seen that part. You haven't seen any of the other parts, but we're going to talk about them. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. Broad strokes, how mm-hmm. did you feel coming off of watching these two episodes of Doctor Who? Sure, um... Well, neither of these happen to be ones that I had viewed within the last, like, two years. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was nice, even though I've seen both these episodes at least, like, five times each, probably, um, realistically. Um, it was nice revisiting both of these, because both of these have been, like, high points in the the fandom and in culture, certainly. Like, these are the two, maybe the two most known episodes of the show i would say yeah there's a reason i wanted to watch them because i had heard about both of them (laughs) and how good Uh they were yeah um doctor who is you know much like lots of monster of the week shows there's individual episodes um there's like filler episodes and then there's episodes that are relevant to that season's like seasonal arc 
of like this is the overarching thing that's going to happen and it's going to culminate in the two-part season finale Mm -hmm. a lot of my favorite episodes of doctor who are two-parters and uh and or episodes that are really relevant to the doctor's character growth yeah you know like we were not uh (laughs) when we first started talking about this you were like well all of my favorite episodes require that you watch six other episodes (laughs) exactly (laughs) so that you can truly appreciate the scenes where the doctor cries about all how all of his friends are dead which is every every doctor who fan's favorite part of doctor who as far as i've been able to tell that, that was an accurate summation. Um, yeah, so we needed to paying attention. We needed to find some kind of strong uh, standalone episodes. Um, I don't know. Uh, spoiler on my own opinion. I basically walked away thinking I'm not sure if I like Doctor Who, but I definitely like Blink. Right. Blink is fucking awesome. <laughs> um, and we'll talk about how cool Blink is. Um, but yeah, the the sort of um, the 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 twee dialogue. In mm-hmm. this, you know, the sort of extremely quirky uh, comedic dialogue in Doctor Who is just, like, not really my thing. I think that, like, of that style of writing, this is, like, a very good one of those. Like, when, when you know, David Tennant, he just starts doing his little stand-up bit. And I'm not, like, <laughs> into it, but I'm like, yeah, he's, you know, he's doing it. There's clever little... There's clever little jokes nestled within his performance. It's a fun time. Uh, but mostly I just like blink. We'll talk about we'll right. talk about that later. Um, but yeah, some of the some of the sort of like broad strokes things that uh, I notice is like I forgot how fucking melodramatic this show is. <laughs> like it's like, man, it's like there's crash zooms in this. There's dramatic strings and action music all the time, even if it's a character like walking across the street or standing in one place. Mm-hmm. There is wide-angle lens happening at all times. There are constant hard cuts to loud music streets. Like it's it is like the the sense of drama <laughs> in this show uh is like so heightened and it took me a while to like stop noticing it the, like the music feels loud <laughs> in this oh, show the, the score does a lot of heavy lifting and so does the the editing but yeah you're very right about this tone <laughs> yeah it's um it, it was I, I i found it a little hard to get into eventually like i kind of i kind of got used to the the visual language of this show and it it stopped being as distracting to me but yeah it's it's it does not feel how TV dramas feel now. No. Um for the most part. And uh, and so it it has this very almost like soap opera-ish quality to it. It's very funny. Um <laughs> it's I uh, I had someone over uh yesterday night and they they came in and I was watching uh Doctor Who and they said, "What what is this porn?" Because of the <laughs> Are you watching porn? <laughs> because of the weird <laughs> the weird soap opera quality of like the 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 oh cameras in in early Doctor Who. Oh man. And that the, that the says weird... it all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the it was it, it came in on like a Dutch angle of of Rose <laughs> Tyler who is Billy Piper and like the really hot girl from Doctor Who that you all know, mm-hmm. the blonde one. And she's like dressed in like a sexy 60s outfit because they're in the 60s. And she was like, Are you watching porn, Mark? <laughs> Are you like... watching porn on your living room TV <laughs> casually at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday? That's, uh, man. Oh, yeah. God. Um, Jesus Christ. Let's talk about uh, these two doctors that we saw. Because if you, uh, perhaps you didn't know, you know, we didn't even do the bit where we were like, Doctor Who is a oh, British shit. sci-fi television show that's been going on for 400,000 years. <laughs> and and, and uh, if, if one person plays the doctor for too long, he has to be killed by another actor and replaced. <laughs> that's how. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Doctor Who is a, is a television series it's sci-fi uh in which the baked into the show baked into the lore is the systematic recasting of the main character of the show Mm -hmm. uh every time he dies he doesn't actually die his body regenerates into a new face he has uh, a slightly different personality things are tweaked around but that's just an excuse for uh for david Tennant to say i want to be in movies now let Mm -hmm. some other asshole play the doctor now yeah i i was incredibly struck by how they had david Tennant play this character for so fucking long and in my head david Tennant is like the iconic doctor who that might have something to do with like 
you know, where and when I grew up and around the type of people I grew up around. But, like, when I think Doctor Who, that's the guy in my head. Or, like, the dude with the scarf that everyone talks about. It's um, it's not just you. Those two doctors that you just described are the ones. Gotcha. The, you're, you're describing the fourth doctor, Tom Baker. Yeah. Who was the, the big doctor of the olden days in the late 70s, early 80s. And then you're describing David Tennant, the 10th doctor, who uh, was not... He was the second of the reboot doctors but he fucking he's very good at it. he set the world on fire and he's a very good actor like i don't i don't really like him like i don't i don't really like this show that much but like he's doing the thing and i'm like yeah i see why people like when he's doing the thing because he's good at doing mm-hmm. the thing um i just think it's really funny how like they had david Tennant play this character for so long and then they replaced him with matt smith who is basically just like a very similar type of guy (laughs) like they it's just like they just got babyface david Tennant to replace him he yeah they 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 changed they they gave him a bow tie instead of a tie tie and they gave him a a tweed jacket instead of an overcoat and then they said just just do that same thing but like a little but like a little different um i, I you i'll give... be sl- do like what he did but you should be a little bit more like winnie the pooh <laughs> fuck oh that's so good yeah he's uh it's he's certainly quirkier uh yeah uh so the 11th doctor doctor that comes after david Tennant's doctor played by Matt Smith is, especially in this first season of his first go about, he's really trying to be like David, but he's written in a much, like, as a quirkier version. Uh, there are David some, Tennant's I, already pretty fucking quirky, y'all. I, D- David Tennant is already a quirkier version of the Ninth Doctor. How, how much higher can they crank up the quirk? They, they, so the Ninth Doctor, the, the first of the reboot Doctors, is played by, um, is played by Christopher Eccleston, which is... Um, if you haven't heard of him, a like world-renowned, classically trained, like Shakespearean, like serious actor, and mm-hmm. he took on this role as a challenge. You, you, and he only he only agreed to one season because he's like, I don't want to be known as Doctor Who. Um, and he he did he did it. Like obviously, there's a lot of lighthearted and goofiness that's core to the character, but this was a very self-serious type of man, and he'd been through a lot of trauma in accordance with the lore, and his whole season arc is him like learning to like love life again. And then he regenerates into David Tennant. Who's like, I have learned to be happy again. I'm going to be a very happy go lucky man, but there's a darkness brooding. And then I will now then... be a funny clown that all of the teenage <laughs> girls want to fuck. It's yeah. Be and, awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Matt Smith is like, I am also going to be a, 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 an even more happy go lucky man, but there's a darkness brooding. And <laughs> you know, that's, that's the doctor. And then it's so funny. You, we didn't get to it, of course, but when he regenerates into Peter Capaldi, who was 60 at the time of being cast mm-hmm. and is a hard reset back to a like a much more like strict and like self-serious man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's awesome. Cool. Um, so the last Doctor thing who. I want to the, the last <laughs> thing that I want to talk about with Doctor Who before we before we talk about these specific episodes is uh, boy, the men are creepy in this, huh? yeah What's up with that that kind of sucks this <laughs> it's is like a, yeah. it okay it's specifically it's just like in both of these episodes men are just like very forward with women yeah. like it's just like it, it it's it, it vincent van gogh tells a girl that he wants from the future that he wants to love her with, within like two days of knowing her and asked to marry her and all this shit and it's it's <sighs> I don't this like is, it. <laughs> uh, so the 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 writer of the writer of Blink and the person who becomes the showrunner during the era of uh, Vincent and the Doctor is Stephen Moffat. He is the guy who also did BBC Sherlock, which is a which is a similar show with a similar fandom. Um, uh, yeah, if you were on Tumblr, you know what I mean. But anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> we're not Steve- clowning on people, by the way. We were fucking there. Listen, I, was, I, yeah. I had a Steven Universe fan blog. I'm no better than anyone else here. <laughs> so so Stephen Moffat cut his teeth writing Coupling, which is a very funny but extremely sexist uh, British sitcom from the late 90s. And when you watch Stephen Moffat Doctor Who, I mean, 
when you write sitcoms, you have to be able to write like likable characters and funny dialogue, but he forgets that he's not writing like an adult oriented sitcom and instead a sci-fi show for babies. <laughs> and, and then he, and he makes all the, the men and women want to fuck like yeah. to his credit, he does write some decent gay characters later on, but like, At this stage of the show, he's just writing, oh, here's some pretty people that are next to each other. Let's have them want to fuck. Yeah, like the more than once in the in the two fucking episodes that I've of Doctor Who that I've watched today, there is just a scenario where you know there is a conventionally attractive white cis blonde woman or some or some variation upon that, and then there is like a man there who is pursuing her like his life depends on it. Yeah, the <laughs> the, the man like an otherwise well written man, but when he sees the woman, he's like hubba hubba booba. Yeah, he becomes a wolf <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a Looney Tunes car with his eyes falling out it's uh yeah i it it was uncomfortable and boring and stupid and i didn't like it that was my thoughts on at any time any they tried to introduce romantic tension between any of the characters in this i found it unpleasant (laughs) i'm 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 with you and that's why i prefer the 12th doctor to the matt smith doctor because the 12th doctor is an old man who doesn't fuck it's awesome (laughs) oh god let's talk about blink Let's talk about Let's do it. Blink. I'm gonna Let's talk do about it. Blink. God. Okay. Honestly, a lot of shit happens in Blink. Uh, so I'm going to try to give the broad strokes of what happens in the plot. If for some reason, like me, you've never seen Blink before, um, so there are some fucked up angel statues that can only move when you're not looking at them, and also if they touch you, they send you back in time several decades, and that's how they kill you. Mm-hmm. It's yep. And, uh, okay, God. So, Sally Sparrow, who is the protagonist in this episode, uh, loses her best friend, uh, to the angel statues while they're investigating a spooky house together. Uh, in this spooky house, Sally finds a message from the doctor that he wrote back in the 1960s warning her about the angels. Through a convoluted but well-told series of events... (laughs) Uh, Sally and her dead friend's brother, Lawrence, uh, discovered that the doctor has left a series of DVD Easter eggs on various commercial DVDs, wherein he speaks to Sally using a transcript of the conversation that he got from her in the future. (laughs) Okay, so, like, I listen to this, I listen to this podcast called Homestuck Made This World. It's like a, it's like a academic reading of Homestuck podcast. Mm-hmm. And whenever mm-hmm. they do the the plot summaries of Homestuck, it sounds like this. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I once, I, I, I've only read like the overarching plot of Homestuck once. And I was like, that can't be what Homestuck is. <laughs> There's no fucking way. <laughs> um, God. Also, Martha is there. The doctor's companion, I guess. She has like five lines in the episode. She's she's with the doctor. All Ooh. she's also trapped in the nineteen sixties with the doctor. Oh, don't get me started on how good of a character Martha Jones is. Oh, she's not so in good. this episode. Not she. She has she she doesn't do anything in this mm-hmm. episode. She she's there to make occasional quips in this yep. episode. Yep. Um, the angels are eventually defeated. Uh, when our heroes trick them into all looking at each other, which freezes them all in place forever because they can, they're, they're looking at, you get it. Um, also, Sally meets the doctor again years later, and it is implied that they will have many adventures together in the future, probably. <laughs> I'm sure they would have loved that. Uh, <laughs> um, the the actor who plays Sally Sparrow, um, I, 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 I should have looked up her name before this. I forget what it is, but she is the main character in promising young woman. She's like a big, like famous, like movie actor at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, and so she never was on this, the shitty <laughs> weird, uh, sci-fi show with a budget of $4 ever again. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Cause the ending like so strongly implies that like, she's going to become, uh, the doctor companion. Yep. And I just assumed that that's what happened. Like, I assumed that this was, like, her introductory episode, and she was, like, a long-running and beloved character, and then you were like, no. <laughs> and you know what's so funny is that exact thing happens with David Tennant and uh, Catherine Tate. Uh, Catherine Tate has a one-off episode, and then there's an entire season with Martha Jones, and then Martha Jones leaves, and then the next new big companion is like, 
hey, Catherine Tate, uh, you want to do a season? <laughs> and then they just bring her back. Nice. Love that. Anyway, um, Mark, yeah. how do you feel about Blink? Um, so Blink is a cool episode for, obviously, the... I'm a sucker for convoluted sci-fi shit. Mm-hmm. So even if this wasn't a well-written episode, I still would have liked the concepts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I want to explain why, like, from a behind-the-scenes uh, aspect, this is such a cool episode. Um, the BBC, like I said, operates with a shoestring budget. Um, and they uh, th- there's only so much money they have to pay, like, the actors and to, like, pay for sets and shit. This is why old Doctor Who looks like absolute garbage compared to, like, old Star Trek, which actually kind of holds up in comparison. Well, all this to say, there's, like, one or two episodes every season of Doctor Who where they're like, hey, uh, David Tennant slash Peter Capaldi slash whoever um, is busy, like, doing, like, real acting uh, <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> um, he's... This is going to be a Doctor Light episode, as in, like, this episode will not feature the Doctor very much. Um, and also, uh, we don't have a budget for special effects for this episode. We blew it all on the two-part season finale where there's, like, decent-looking things flying in the sky. There's aliens. You gotta figure out something to do that does not, that, that only features David Tennant in three scenes and also does not feature any special effects. Yeah. And under these constraints, uh, Stephen Moffat writes a brilliant 45 minutes of television. I mean, just, uh, we'll talk about the angels in more detail later, but just Uh God, like the, I mean, just as a concept, it's brilliant, right? Like it's a brilliant way to save money. What if we never have to make these things actually move on screen? Mm -hmm. What if they just get closer to you whenever you're not looking at them? I mean, it's, you know, that's a fucking slam dunk. Like that's the type of shit that's, that's lightning in a bottle. You can, you come up with that shit at three in the morning, you write that shit down and it's, you don't know where it comes from and it never comes back. (laughs) There's a quote, there's a quote that I really like from Stephen Moffat that relates to this. He said, um, you know, you've got a decent to at least good episode of Doctor Who, uh, when you write down the concept for it and you say, well, there goes that idea for a feature length movie that I can never write. Cause now it's a fucking doctor who episode. <laughs> and th- this is the best example of that. I think. Yeah. Um, this shit kicks ass. Like, <laughs> yeah. obviously it's so good. Um, <laughs> it's, it's crazy that there are two separate high concept sci-fi ideas going on in this episode simultaneously. And they pull off both of them. <laughs> like nearly flawlessly it's very impressive um it, yeah the i mean god like the the way that they handle the angels is very impressive um and it's basically all editing and shot composition and nothing else like this episode like lives or dies on the editing right the way that they use the hard cuts to put these statues in different positions and change their facial expressions. And they just do a jump scare. Like this is just like a series of jump scares over and over again. And it works, even though you're just (laughs) looking at literally statues standing there. It's fucking unbelievable. And then also they wait the whole episode. They wait until like the, the second to last scene to put them all in a dark room and have them just start chasing people. And it's terrifying when it happens. And I was like, I dude, I was geeking. Like when the when the fucking when the angel like points at the light bulb in the basement and the light turns off and like every everything starts moving really fast and it just keeps cutting and all of them keep appearing in different places. I was like, I was screaming. It was great. I was yeah. laughing my ass off. I was having an awesome time. It's dope. <laughs> it's great stuff. Yeah, it's the the angels are the best uh, monster in the history of the show and they are an entirely practical effect that does not move it, uh, <laughs> yeah it's lightning in a bottle sitting there <laughs> did you find yourself uh during during one of those climactic scenes where the the angels have revealed themselves and like they have to like run away while still staring and not breaking eye contact mm-hmm. did you find yourself like seeing if you could like not blink <laughs> Oh man, God! Like in, yes, in real life, I was doing oh, that. God, I forgot to. Oh shit! I forgot to even include this in the notes, but I need to talk about it. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the part at the end where David Tennant tries to give you real life paranoia. What do you mean? Oh, oh, <laughs> the, 
okay, like at the end of this episode, yeah. it just like keeps cutting back. It, it like cuts back and forth between David Tennant being like, don't blink, keep yourself safe out there. They're gonna fucking kill you, dipshit. And like between just like shots of real life statues. And I'm, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I was like, this is irresponsible for people with psychosis. I don't think this is a cool thing to do. He, 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 he does it again in season seven, but with snowmen. Not, not the same concept. I just mean he makes he makes you want to fear everyday objects. It's I, I, I like the episode naturally through its storytelling and effective use of scares already instills that fear in you. I don't think you need the part at the end where David Tennant like breaks the fourth wall and tells you to stab the Statue of Liberty next time you're in New York City. Oh, guess what? Abraham Lincoln is going to fucking strangle you. (laughs) Did you know that the Statue of Liberty becomes an angel in season seven or were you just making that up? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no. no, it, it there's no, an episode. No, I did not know that. The epi- the episode where I uh, won't say in, in case it's spoiler blah blah blah. Look, okay, there's an episode in season seven where something happens and it's called the angels take Manhattan. And yes, the- <laughs> I think I think the fact that the angels come back after this episode sounds like it probably sucks. It. <laughs> It kind of does. It's yeah. it it kind it kind of does. It can it can only work once. That was the thing I was thinking about. You know, you were talking about how like this is like a very smart, low budget episode, but also like it's only scary once. Like you couldn't keep doing this. Uh, can I? Okay, you know what? The second the the second time they're in it is also good. Okay, okay. I will say because it's a Matt Smith episode. It's early on. It's one of his best episodes. Um, they're in an ancient like tomb where there's a bunch of like statues and there, and it's an ancient world where the people who used to live there had two heads. And uh-huh. you notice at the, at the very, like halfway through the episode, he's like, if everyone who lived here had two heads, then why do all these statues only have one? And then one of the statues like moves a little bit. And oh then you realize that <laughs> you realize that oh, every statue in that entire catacomb is an angel, and it's that that's a good moment. Um, Jesus, let's talk about the the DVD Easter egg thing. Ah, fuck, we haven't even gotten there yet. It's oh so my God. fucking good. It's so fucking okay. So like, this is like extremely my bullshit. Like, this could have been kind of bad, and I would have still liked it, but they pulled it off like extremely well. Yes. Um. Okay, so the way that this plot line is sort of introduced to you is uh, you meet Lawrence, which is uh, Sally's friend's uh, brother who works at, like, a video rental store. And he's gotten really into watching these DVD Easter eggs that he's found on several of the DVDs in the shop where David Tennant sits in an empty room and has half of a conversation uh, and yeah. he's like talking about how he like posts on forums about it and how it's, it's like the story becomes a creepypasta to the point where even like there is a dude posting about it online and trying to figure out what's going on and it's amazing because this came out in like 2007 when creepypastas are still sort of like in their nascent form a little bit um and i all of this could have been, like, so clunky and bad, but it, instead it is incredibly charming. Like, Lawrence could have been the most awful character. He could have been so obnoxious, and instead he's great. The The scene where it finally pays off, and Lawrence and Sally are hanging out in the spooky house, watching the David Tennant tape, and Sally is having a conversation with David Tennant displaced across 50 years... And Lawrence is sitting there, like, being a nerd about the tapes. Like, he's sitting there being like, oh, this is this this is my favorite part coming up. Or, like, what what is the line that he says he has on a t-shirt? Oh, um, the, he, David Tennant's like, never mind that. Okay, the, the, the angels have it, right? The angels have the phone box. And uh, Lawrence says, like, oh, the angels have the phone box. That part's great. I have that on a t-shirt. It's... It's sold so well. The performance is fantastic. He he seems so genuine about, like, his love of, like, the David Tennant spooky Easter egg video lore that he has been developing online with his friends. Like, it... 
I can't believe it works. Like, I can't fucking believe that it works. Yeah, L- Lawrence doesn't strike you as like a like a uh, Simpsons comic book guy. He's like, it's they they're like respectful of this very deeply like nerdy like forum like like uh, poster. Like he's like a redditor, but they like make him really. But it's pre Reddit, and he's just like he's just a cool. Uh, endearingly nerdy person, and yeah. and his nerdiness about this subject like helps like save them. Yeah, and, and it comes across as extremely genuine. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. In in a way that I was like kind of not expecting. Um, mm-hmm. like I, yeah, I don't know the the fact that the DVD stuff and also the Angel stuff both work out and are really cool and interesting is just like, damn, how'd they fucking how'd they fucking swing this one? Like they have. There's okay cuz like there's like basically three simultaneous concepts going on here, right? They have like these things can move when you're not looking at them only. Don't fucking blink. These things also send you back in time. <laughs> yeah. And and multiple times throughout the story characters that got sent back in time find ways to communicate with people in the future by like sending letters or recording DVD extras. Um, and and it all just fucking works. And then you've got, like, the David Tennant on an Easter egg DVD creepypasta stuff, and that also works. It's crazy. And then and then, and then, then in the last two minutes, they just throw it all in a pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, it doesn't ruin the episode, but it's so, <laughs> no, it unnecess- it's, it's so unnecessary that, like, Sally and Lawrence, like, hold hands and they're like, goodbye, doctor. We're gonna it's be like, a couple now. <laughs> it's, like, even stupider than that. It's like yeah. we cut to Sally and Lawrence several years in the future and they work at the DVD shop together now. And Lawrence like comes on to her a little bit and she's like, no, we're just coworkers. And then like she runs into the doctor for like five minutes and then all of a sudden she wants to fuck <laughs> Lawrence. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Like, the idea is that, like, she was so obsessed with finding the Doctor, figuring out what was going to happen with her future and stuff. Like, they set that up, but it just... These two characters didn't need to be romantically involved. They were charming as just, like, accomplices in this mission together. And, like, it's it feels very tacked on and bad. Mm-hmm. And it felt very in line with the Stephen Moffat uh, <laughs> ethos. I mean, also, like... This episode also has, like, the cop guy that comes on to her really hard in a way that's very uncomfortable. And then he gets sent back to the past. And it's, uh, I don't even want to fucking talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, yeah, it it, it says a lot that, like, we could completely ignore both romance plots that are in this. And it wouldn't have affected the plot or our enjoyment or the characters. uh, Except it actually... It makes it a little better. <laughs> all you, all you need is a scary angel statue and a fucked up creepy pasta time travel plot. You know, nobody needs God. to fuck in that story. That's a complete story. <laughs> God, that episode is so good, man. Oh man. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Vincent and the Doctor. Um, yeah. So before I before I start talking about this episode, I do have to say that like I kind of had an unfair <laughs> perspective going into this, and I like forgot. <laughs> before i started watching it uh because like a month or two ago i watched another vincent van gogh biopic <laughs> um it's a film called loving vincent uh the entire thing is painted it's like an animated film and the whole thing is like painted uh it's fucking crazy you should watch it it's like as a film it's like eh, it's like a six out of ten it would be better if the the plot was less like a telltale game uh but as a visual experience it's a 10 out of 10 it's fucking dope um so that was sort of an issue for me watching this episode that prominently features vincent van gogh because like when they first traveled back in time uh to meet him it's set around the exact same time that loving vincent is and i'm just like oh yeah that's vincent van gogh from the movie that i watched one of my favorite characters (laughs) you know um and it took me a little while to get over that so so i had kind of an unfair opinion going in um so i'm going to talk about the plot of this thing because you're probably not familiar with it unlike blink um so (laughs) the doctor and amy pond are at the museum and the doctor sees that van gogh painted a spooky monster in one of his paintings (laughs) 
<laughs> so they go back in time to meet Van Gogh and stop the monster, I guess. Um, and it's like the last few months of, of, of Vincent's life. And there is an invincible monster that only he can see. And the monster is killing people. Uh, and uh, later we find out that the monster is just sad and alone and misses its family because it got abandoned. And also it's blind. And that's why it kills people. But the doctor and Vincent murder it anyway. Um, I think on accident. Uh, we don't know. Whatever. At one point, the doctor tries to relate to it by talking about how he is also lonely. But that does not work. Um, uh, and, and and they do this so many times in the history of Doctor Who. Like some oh, someone will God. be like, "I'm the last of my kind," and then the Doctor will melodramatically look down. <laughs> oh God! Um, and then that really famous part happens that you've already seen in many gifs and and viral clips where they take Vincent Van Gogh to the to the museum and he sees all of the paintings and everyone talks about how great he is. You you're familiar with it. It's quite good. Um, Mark. Tell me how you feel about this episode. Um, I mean, this episode was much more effective to me as a younger person. Uh, <laughs> who, I mean, you 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 only remember the the ending. You don't remember the rest. The rest mm-hmm. is a little bit of a slog. Um, it's mm-hmm. not. I think that this is a fan favorite because it lends itself well to Tumblr gifts, like you were saying. <laughs> the 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 gif of 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 uh, Bill Nye, uh, Bill Nighy, whatever, not Bill Nye the science guy, other Bill Nye uh, as the museum curator saying, you know, to me, Vincent Van Gogh is the greatest artist uh, of all time. And then you see him, you see real Vincent crying because he got to, uh, it's, you know, you'll cry even if it's not that good. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's it's well acted. Um, It's not in my top 10 episodes, but it is, Probably the most culturally significant episode, so it was worth checking out in this podcast uh, format. You know, the, the historicals in Doctor Who, where they go back in time, are very hit and miss. I feel like you either get a good portrayal of a historical figure or time period, or you get a good sci-fi plot. It's very rarely both. Uh, <laughs> I think we found in this episode that the sci-fi plot was kind of whatever. We can't, We can't all be... 2006's Tooth and Claw from season two, which is uh, where you meet uh, Queen Victoria and uh, there's a werewolf. uh, And both of those things are simple enough that both are good. Um, God, yeah. When I finished this, I was like worried that this was going to be a hot take, but I'm I'm glad to hear that you kind of feel similarly. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah totally. I I think that this is a bad episode with like a really strong last ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, the the monster plot is just kind of nothing. Um, I, outside of the fact that this CG monster looks fucking terrible. Um, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? It's because Doctor it's Doctor who. who. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to hold that against the show. Right. But like the monster kind of doesn't really hold any thematic weight. Um, and when the doctor tries to give it some measly thematic weight by like being like, I can communicate with him. I'm also lonely and sad and all my friends are dead. And then like, <laughs> and, and then and it just kind of gets tossed off as a joke basically. Cause it doesn't work. Um, and it doesn't really have anything to do with Van Gogh's story either. Like there's sort of this maybe vague idea that this monster could be some sort of representation of his mental health struggle. It's like this monster that only he can see, which if that's the intention, it's very on the nose and also not good. Like it's like, (laughs) not only is it really on the nose, they also don't expand on it at all. Like it's not like, it's not like a thrust of the episode. Like it's just like Vincent Van Gogh is there and he's sad and and he is the, the the painter and he has this history and such and such and he's the guy and then also there is a monster plot that is occurring sort of simultaneously that takes up a good portion of the episode which is mostly bullshit mm-hmm. um <laughs> i i then, am totally with you yeah you know um i think uh i think the the they lay it on a little thick too like I get that they're trying to really reinforce the significance of of these moments for him, but, like, the fact that they repeatedly call him the greatest artist who ever lived, like, multiple times in this episode, it's like, all right, guys, like, fucking chill. <laughs> they're good paintings, but, like, fucking... Come on. <laughs> the, 
there there are other artists it's 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 like when you try to say that like nirvana was the greatest band of the 90s when smashing pumpkins exists like i get well i get that that's exactly what i meant mark (laughs) exactly i I was trying to extol the virtues of smashing pumpkins um but yeah obviously the ending is very well directed um and it made me cry even though i was actively like "Mm, this is like not that good (laughs) I love, I love that. <laughs> I that's like, that's a W. That's a W in my book in terms of Doctor Who fandom. Yeah, the I mean the you're right, and like the performance really carries it. He really yeah. looks like he's fucking sobbing in that yeah. museum. It it's very convincing. It it works well. The soundtrack is trying so hard to make you feel things. It's, <laughs> you know, it um, feels like worship music. It's 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 like emotionally manipulating you. It's awesome. <laughs> God, um. Yeah, and I I like that you know, they they take him to the museum and Amy is like, "Well, he's going to be happy now and he's going to live longer and paint more paintings." And the doctor's kind of like, eh, "I don't know about that one." And then they find out that no, he didn't and he he still killed himself. And I thought that was a really nice touch. I really liked that they gave him this like very emotionally re- resonant moment. Um and and allowed him to have this like catharsis uh without portraying it as something that just like fixes him y- yes yeah i thought that was really i was very happy about that because it almost seemed like maybe that was not going to happen <laughs> um yeah that's it's a uh, th- that is that is like that i think that's the moment of this episode i mean uh, it's it's yeah it's it's very sad but it it also is very real and i i think that it pays respect to like van gogh as a person in a way that like pretending he didn't kill himself in the doctor who universe would have just like shat on yeah i would i would i would if they if if it were not for that little story touch it would have been bullshit if it had gone the other way i would be mad right now totally i would be like trashing on this episode and be like wow why do people like this this is fucking bullshit um but no i I, it's not a good episode Mm -hmm. uh but it has a really strong well-directed last 10 minutes with a great concept uh and i liked that part um but yeah overall i was like hmm yeah i don't know if i love i don't know if i love doctor who (laughs) but i but i do love blink (laughs) There's also multiple moments in that episode that if you didn't know that the episode before was when Amy's husband dies and is also erased from existence, so the Doctor's the only one who remembers that he ever existed, uh, you won't understand the purpose of a lot of the lines, which mm-hmm. is funny, but... <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. Oh, and I didn't like how Van Gogh is trying to fuck Amy the whole time. That felt unnecessary. It's almost like Stephen Moffat just has a thing in his brain that <laughs> that necessitates a, a man being unnecessarily forward with a woman repeatedly throughout an episode of Doctor Who. Because that happened in both of these. Yeah, yeah it's like, it's just like, you keep hiring increasingly sexy people to, to be the main characters in this show. It's like, you know, it could just be like a dude. <laughs> like, I'm not saying Christopher Eccleston isn't sexy, but like he he's just a dude and his outfit is he wears a a V-neck t-shirt and a, a leather jacket over it. That's his entire like goofy outfit. It's to to to, to some that is the sexiest of all. God, we've been talking for too long. Is there anything else that you want to say about Doctor Who? Um, I, in, I am going to, I'm going to tell you, uh, the person who's interested in Doctor Who and who also has seen it and wants to nerd out about it. I'm going to tell you my five favorite episodes of Doctor Who. Number five, (laughs) Silence in the Library. Number four, The Empty Child slash The Doctor Dances. Number three, The Waters of Mars. Number two, Heaven Sent. Number one, human nature slash the family of blood. Alex, this means nothing to you, but mm-hmm. people are going to freak out over this. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm going <laughs> to assume that that was a list full of nothing but hot takes and 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 uh, wild opinions. Um, he- Heaven Sent was a very hot take, but I love that episode. Anyway. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, cool. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe you're going to watch every episode of Steven Universe now because I watched your show. <laughs> Literally, li- yeah. You, you watched you watched 90 minutes and I'm going to watch 18 hours. <laughs> yeah. Now, dude, I mean, here's the thing. I've been rewatching Steven Universe for the past few days. I've watched nearly 50 episodes <laughs> in the past like three days. And I remembered that Steven Universe is fucking awesome. <laughs> yep. I. I- I'm gonna fuck it. I'm gonna fall in hard as soon as I watch it, and then we're it's gonna so record good, a podcast. Uh, the the deal that we agreed on is, um, we will wa- we will do an episode on it as soon as I have watched enough of the show to feel like I like have that I that I that I want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing: you can watch, you start watching season one, just put it on in the background as like a chill whatever show, and then you're gonna get to like Mirror Gem. And you're gonna be like, oh damn, there are things happening in this show, uh, and and then and then you're stuck and it, and it, and and you cannot get out and you will never escape. And then there are many yeah. many seasons to watch after that, and That's, you will cry yeah. a lot. I I cannot wait. And there's it, lesbians <laughs> in it. It's great. Uh, and it has, I love lesbians. Uh, uh, and I and I have conflicting opinions about its uh, political messages, but that's not important. <laughs> the characters are really good. <laughs> um, okay, if you're gonna watch Doctor Who, start with season one, and just know the fir- the first five episodes are the thing that Alex is describing. They're good, but there's some rough shit. Once you get to season season one, episode six, which is called Dalek. From then on, it's smooth sailing, best time of your life. Anyway. Oh, man. I've been, I've been thinking about watching Riverdale. That show looks funny. Fuck. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Witcher Season 2 came out. I haven't even watched it yet. Fuck. Oh, I might man. do like a solo episode on you, that. You want to just keep naming television shows? Um, uh, Remember Breaking Bad? That show's pretty good. <laughs> I watched Y'all the first. you ever seen Infinity Train? That show fucking kicks ass. Uh, they they came out with a new Boba Fett show, and someone asked me if I was gonna watch it, and I was offended that they thought I would. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck you for not understanding my nuanced opinion that only some Star Wars is good and the rest is bullshit." Jesus fucking Christ! Um, I'm just going to keep naming TV shows if we if we continue doing this. So, uh, where can people find the podcast on the internet? Uh, you should follow us on Twitter at Cartridge Cinema. That's Twitter at Cartridge Cinema. The music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. For me, it was Tuesday. Oh, man. Fucking, I don't know. Peace. <laughs> Alon Z. That's the thing uh, that, that the doctor I still says. don't know what that means. I didn't learn what that means from watching these two episodes. You, you didn't catch, you didn't get David Tennant's catchphrase. He hasn't said it yet. Anyway, what the yeah. fuck is Alan? What does that mean? It's French for let's go. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> bye. Cool guy, that David Tennant. Anyway, bye. <laughs>